0: want to end the series on uh, suffering as a Christian and uh, just briefly want to touch on today's topic of um, how we are actually meant to deal with suffering. Just a brief recap in the previous teaching we looked at why it is that God our Father deems it necessary for his saints to suffer in this life and we saw that there are three main reasons why and the first reason being that our Lord wants to teach us obedience And we can only learn obedience by the things which we suffer. For we saw that our Lord Jesus Christ himself, though he was the Son of God, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And then we saw that um, God the Father um, would be able to reward us in eternity depending on our level of obedience that we were prepared to subject ourselves to in this life. And obviously suffering is the, the catalyst, not the catalyst, the vehicle that the Lord uses to uh, test our obedience in this life. So our rewards, eternal rewards, um, are founded really on the suffering that we endure in this life. And then we also saw that uh, wrath is um, part of the reason as to why the saints suffer in this life, because God the Father then is able to pour out His wrath on those who persecute His saints. And so today, as I said, I just briefly want to touch on the topic of how we're meant to deal with suffering. And then we can close off this series um, on, uh, from, on today's message. And so the passage of Scripture that I'd like to open up with today is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The Scripture says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so as we've said all through this series, and we'll continue to say that, um, in everything, we look at Jesus Christ our Lord. And this passage of Scripture is very clear, saying, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so with dealing with how we are to uh, deal with suffering and to explore that uh, topic, we look at our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that it's because of our Lord focusing on the prize that our Lord was actually able to endure the cross that He went through and the suffering that He endured. The scripture says, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. And So our Lord Jesus Christ, when He went through His suffering, and obviously we have discussed the fact that our Lord went through suffering His entire life, um, but He always had an eternal perspective on His suffering. And so, if we're going to endure the suffering that we are subjected to in this life, we must look at uh, how our Lord did it. And our Lord did it by looking, by focusing on the joy that the Father had set before Him. As a result of Him enduring the suffering that God wanted Him to endure in this life. And so, when we encounter suffering in this life, a- again. We've asked the question in the series. We've asked a number of questions. Are we called to suffer? We said yes. We said, we asked the question, well, what are we called to suffer? And we highlighted, uh, by and large, that we're to, we're to suffer for Christ as Christians. And then we looked at the areas that we're not called to suffer in. And then we looked at the why our God, our Father, wants us to suffer. But the point that we wanted to raise from this particular point is that we must be careful. Um, as to what suffering we're enduring, because we can only focus on the prize, the eternal prize, if we are suffering in the correct areas, if we are suffering for Christ as Christians. Um, and so, you yeah, know, the, the, the focus must be correct, and so you can go back on the teachings to understand that. But nevertheless, when we go through suffering, we must always have our eyes set on the eternal reward that is uh, promised to us, because of the suffering we're incurring. And so, our Lord Jesus, that, that's what sustained him when he went through his suffering. For The scripture is very plain. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And so, Jesus, who you know, was the ultimate, ultimate man, um, was able to endure his suffering because of that mindset that he had, that he, uh, for the joy that was set before him, for the reward, in other words, that God had set before him. He endured the cross. And so we have to have that same mindset in that we focus our attention on the eternal reward that we will receive for this light affliction the scripture talks about that only lasts for a very short period of time. Now I know when we go through the suffering itself it seems like that period of suffering is not such a short period of time. But in contrast to eternity... Um, it's an extremely brief period of time and so that's the the mindset that the christian needs to have that's the mindset our lord has had and that is the mindset we need to follow his example another example is the apostle paul Um, he wrote about the the same kind of thing in philippians chapter 3 verse 8 to 14 he said yet indeed i also count all things loss being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so um, the Apostle Paul, you know, outside of obviously our Lord Jesus Christ's suffering, um, from the scriptural accounts, from what we see, uh, I think he suffered more than all of the the New Testament saints that we uh, are, are given accounts of in Scripture. In all of that... The Apostle Paul sets his mind on the goal of the the upward call of of, um, the prize uh, in Christ Jesus. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so he suffers everything. He says, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish and I forget those things. He just blotted all of that out of his mind and he focused on the prize. And so the Apostle Paul had also learned that in order for one to be able to endure the suffering that we incur in this life, we have to be focused on eternity. We have to be focused on the eternal reward that the suffering will produce for us. Otherwise, the suffering becomes almost unbearable um, because what is the point of just incurring suffering? There's no point to it at all. Unless we can look at the eternal reward that He set before us, that as a result of our suffering for Christ in this life, we can expect great reward in eternity, and so that is the mindset that Christians must have when we incur the right type of suffering. I'm talking about suffering as a Christian for Christ. Then we can focus our our attention fully on the prize that is laid before us, the eternal prize that is laid before us in heaven. And that is where our focus must be when we go through the suffering uh, that we do incur in this life. Another aspect of how we deal with suffering in this life is we're actually meant to deal with it through rejoicing. And we can pick up our Lord Jesus' teaching on that issue in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Our Lord speaking about the subject, and he says, blessed are you, When they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake again look at what type of suffering our lord is referring to here he's talking about when people revile us and persecute us and say all kinds of evil against us falsely for what for his sake and so the the the, the christian suffering is very specific it has to be centered around christ and so we suffer for christ Now, the Lord says to us, when this does happen, we're blessed. And then this is the attitude he says we should have. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so in in the natural, there's nothing joyful about suffering. It is not a joyful experience at all. That's why it's suffering. But our Lord Jesus teaches us that when we encounter the uh, legitimate suffering—again, it's all centered around Christ—when we encounter that type of suffering, we our, our attitude, in fact, should be one of joy. He says, "Rejoice and be exceedingly glad." And so, you know, say, so "Lord, you know, that's kind of a weird uh, doctrine to teach. We're going through stuff that is actually painful and hard to endure, and yet you're telling us when we go through that." We should actually be rejoicing, and we should be exceedingly glad. Again, the Lord puts it into perspective by telling us, for great is your reward in heaven. And so there's the eternal focus again, the focus on the eternal prize that is laid up in heaven for the saint who is subjected to suffering for Christ in this life. And that is why our Lord teaches us that when we are subjected to that type of suffering, to godly suffering, that we can rejoice and we should be exceedingly glad. Why, Lord? Because of the great reward that has been stored up for you in heaven. Because uh, God is counting us worthy to suffer persecution for his son. And so it's very important for Christians to have that mindset when it comes to the legitimate suffering that Christians go through. Um, and that's the the mindset that our Lord asked us to have and instructed us to have and explained to us why we should have that mindset and so in the natural that's impossible but in the spirit all things are possible with God all things are possible and so from a spiritual point of view it is very possible for Christians to react in that manner let's look at an example that just two examples come to mind but we'll look at the one now um, where we can actually see that actually happening What our Lord spoke about when he said, when you get this type of uh, persecution, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Look at this. Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and 41. The scripture says, and they agreed with him. uh, And when they had called for the apostles, when they said they agreed with him, what had happened is the apostles uh, had been pulled before the Jewish council. And they actually wanted to kill the apostles because they had been preaching the, the gospel. And so uh, the, one of the teachers, Gamaliel, he, t- he stands up and he tells them to put the apostles out, uh, outside of the, 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 the room. They take them out and then he counsels the elders, the Jewish elders. And he says, guys, and he gives them a bit of a speech and he says, don't you know, leave these guys alone because you don't know what's going on. You don't know if this is God or if there's not God. And if you go against it, you might be going against God. And so reluctantly, the scripture says, and they agreed with him. Um, So they agreed with him that they weren't going to kill the apostles. But the compromise was that they were going to beat them. And so that's in context when it says, and they agreed with him. That's the elders agreeing with Gamaliel's suggestion. And so let's read the passage again. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now look at this reaction, verse 41. So they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so that's the exact attitude that Jesus taught his apostles when he was with them on the earth. He said, guys, when this kind of persecution comes your way, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And that's exactly what these apostles did, because they recalled what Jesus had taught them on the subject. And so the scripture says, so when they departed, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now that's another indication to us, that not all Christians will incur this type of suffering. We have dealt with that previously in the series thus far, that we are all called to differing levels of suffering, because God knows what it is that we're able to endure. Um, the apostles were called to be beaten, and every one of the, the Lord's 12 apostles, the apostles of the land, that is, were martyred for him, except for John, uh, the apostle John. He died of old age. But otherwise, each one of them were martyred for our Lord Jesus. And so they were counted worthy. Now, it doesn't mean John wasn't worthy. It just means the Lord had something different in, play, in in store for John. Um, but the point is, is that, the attitude that was displayed by the apostles on this occasion is exactly the attitude that our lord said we should display um, and the reason that they displayed that attitude because they re- recognized lord you have counted us worthy to suffer shame for your name and therefore great is our reward in heaven and that's their rejoicing the other example i can think of is think about paul and silas they go to the, the town of philippi they preach the gospel There's there was an encounter between uh, Paul and uh, the demon-possessed uh, young girl who uh, used to uh, do fortune telling. He cast the demon out. As a result, Paul and Silas get beaten and thrown into jail. Now, their response is what? At midnight, the prisoners hear them pray, praising God and singing hymns. And so they are rejoicing. You can't praise God and sing hymns when you are all down and out. You praise God and you sing hymns when you're rejoicing before Him. And look at the response there. God shakes the prison and lets them out of prison, basically. But the point is, is that their response was that of, of rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. They had just been beaten with rods and thrown into jail. Same kind of uh, persecution that the apostles occurred, uh, incurred in, on this account that we just read. And so on both accounts, you have the Lord's Disciples responding in the manner that Christ told us to respond, and the reason we can do that is because we focus on the prize. That which, because when this type of suffering occurs, and any kind of reviling as a Christian occurs in our life, it's because God has deemed us worthy to in, to um, incur that suffering, and so that's why we should rejoice, because God, because God has counted us worthy, God has now laid up in heaven great reward for the saint that goes through that type of suffering. And so that's the, the second. So, um, the, 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 the first attitude is we must focus on the prize. The second attitude we must have we're talking about how to deal with suffering in this life is that we must rejoice. We must actually rejoice knowing the reason why we're suffering. The only reason we're suffering this way is because God has counted us worthy of that suffering. And the only reason that God counts us worthy is because he is now uh, laid up in store for us a great reward in heaven. And then the last attitude that we need to have when we go through suffering is that of endurance. Um, because there is, suffering does require endurance. And again, we can look at our Lord Jesus Christ in this ad, in this um, example. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. The scripture says, For consider him, talking about Jesus, who endured such hostil- hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Our Lord did say to us in Mark 13:13 13, 13, that he who endures to the end shall be saved. And so suffering does require endurance, and we're not to become weary and discouraged when we go through periods of suffering. And we're to look at our Lord Jesus, and the scripture says, "...who endured such hostility from sinners against himself." Now, don't forget, we're talking about the fact that our Lord Jesus, we've seen it in this series so far, our Lord Jesus incurred suffering all of his life. Uh, He incurred tremendous suffering, far greater than anything else, at the end of his life when he went to the cross. But during his life, he incurred hostility of sinners against himself all the time. And so the scripture admonishes the saint, don't get weary when you go through this. There's going to be, and we have discussed that there are seasons of suffering that we get subjected to as, as believers. And so we're not to um, become tired and fatigued. Uh, this passage of Scripture is written to the church in Jerusalem. Um, now what had happened to the church in Jerusalem is that they had incurred persecution right, almost from day one. For about the first nine months, the church had no persecution. And then when Stephen was martyred, that's when it started. And it actually just never let up. Um, it would know, kind of die down after a while when Paul was converted, but it, it just continued. There was just this open hostility from the Jews against the, uh, the, the Jewish church in Jerusalem. Because the vast majority of the Jews did not believe in Christ as the Messiah. And so the, even though that church was quite large, the church was about 15,000 strong, maybe even uh, more than that, within the, the, uh, the, the, just the population in the city of Jerusalem was over a million. And so 15,000 in a million is minuscule. And then if you extrapolate that across the whole nation. And so there was a, a tremendous degree of persecution that con- just consistently came against the Jewish believers. And so they had started to become fatigued. They had started to say, Lord, you know, is it really worth it, we're just not, this this, this, uh, um, animosity from our brothers in the flesh is just not letting up. And so they had, some of them, had started to think, you know, maybe we should just go back into Judaism and, you know, give up on all of this uh, persecution. And so the, the Holy Spirit admonishes that church, says, guys, don't become weary and discouraged. Think about your, your your Lord. He goes through it his whole life. And so you need to be, you need to endure it. You need to um, have fortitude, basically. And you need to continue with this. Even though you're suffering, we need to, there is an element of endurance for suffering. Because it's not, in the natural suffering, there's nothing pleasant about it at all. And so, That's where the the whole act of endurance has to take place. And we pick it up again in James chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. Uh, The Holy Spirit talking about that exact same thing about endurance. He says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. So he links the two, suffering and patience. Why? Because we need endurance when we go through suffering. Uh, Otherwise, it can get a bit much. And as I said, like the church in Jerusalem, they had started to consider, is this really worth it, all of it? And uh, the Holy Spirit said, yes, it is. You need to hang in there. Verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so, when we go through this period of suffering that uh, materializes in our life from time to time we need to recognize that the Lord His intention is good for us now Lord why do you have to use suffering to, to bring about good well we discussed it we discussed why in the previous uh, teaching as to why God allows suffering in our lives but we need to have this attitude of endurance it's um, put forward Job is put forward as the example of, of endurance and, you know, I've mentioned it already, that when you go look at the, the suffering incurred by Job, it wasn't for a long period of time. It was for a relatively brief period, number of months that he went through suffering. But our Lord had always intended that at the end of it, Job was going to be blessed once again. But the whole point of the, 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 the suffering that Job went through, if you go read the account in the book of Job, Satan wanted Job to curse God to his face. Satan said, you know, you, you blessed this guy, and you don't let me in here. Let me have a go at him, and I'll show you, I'll prove to you that he'll curse you. And so God said, okay, go ahead, but you can't take his life. So Job doesn't curse God. Now, right at the outset, um, even been no, I might get my timeline wrong. Anyway, so God says to, to Satan, see, this guy's still uh, sticking to his integrity. So Satan then ups the ante. He says, "All right, but let me have the goatee's body because you know a uh, skin for skin man will do anything to uh, protect his, his 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 physical life." So he said, "Okay, you can have the goatee's body. You can't take his life." And so uh, Satan puts them um, boils, and boils are really painful. And he put boils all over Satan's uh, all, of, all over Job's body, and so you know Job goes through that as well. But Job stays faithful to God because all the time Satan is saying, watch this. If I get to do this to him, he'll curse you. If I get to do this to him, he'll curse you. And Job doesn't do that. He never curses God. He complains. <laughs> he can't understand why he's going through it. And you know, he says, Lord, I really served you as faithfully as I know how. Why is this happening to me? But anyway, that's kind of the gist of his complaint. But he never does what Satan wanted him to do. He never once curses God. However, and it's not what his, his wife does. In Job 2.9, she so it's right up front, right in the early uh, stages of Job's um, suffering. She counsels Job to do exactly what Satan wanted Job to do. She counsels him. She says, curse God and die. And so, that's, she, she gave in straight away. I mean, Job doesn't do that to so all of it. He keeps faithful to the Lord. But she doesn't. She, her, her counsel is, you just curse God and die. And so, you know, if she tells her husband to do that, believe you me, she did that. And so she responded as Satan wanted Job to respond. But Job didn't respond in that manner. And so she didn't endure the suffering that uh, they went through. And, but Job did now what is very interesting about the the, the in Job, because God did at the end of it restore Job completely and d- gave him double what he had before. But it's around the, the children of Job that we pick up some interesting aspects to this whole suffering um, endurance that when, uh, Job and his family went through and that his wife also went through. Prior to this whole thing occurring, Job had seven sons and three daughters. They were killed. Satan killed him. Uh, He used a tornado to do that. Now, when they went into this period of suffering, they were both at a very old age. Um, Job 32.6, we pick it up, that they were really old. Now, at the end of Job's suffering, God not only restores everything to to Job, but he doubles up on it. But he does restore to Job his children. He gives him seven sons and three daughters. Now, what is interesting about the fact, don't forget, they were both very old people when they went into suffering. The suffering did not last for long, it lasts for a few months. And then the Bible talks about the fact that God gives him, blesses Job, with seven sons and three daughters again. Now, they're in their old age. Now, what it does mention to us very clearly in that passage of Scripture is in Job 42.15, the Scripture says, And in all the land were found no woman so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Talking about those three daughters that were born to him after his suffering. Now, with regards to his three daughters that he had before his suffering, the, the Bible says nothing about their beauty. But with regards to the three that were born to him after his suffering, the Bible says they were the most beautiful woman ever in the land. Now... Job's wife was not at a childbearing age when they came into the suffering period and when they came out of it. So what happened here is that God blessed Job with another wife. I don't know what happened to the first wife, but the the children that were born to Job after he came out of his suffering were from another wife. And that's why the scripture tells us very plainly and and describes the beauty of the, the, the next three daughters that he has. Not the beauty of the first three, the 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 last three. Because, as I say, Mrs. Job, the first Mrs. Job, was too old to have uh, ten children still. Um think about Sarah, she she managed to just have uh, Isaac and that was it. Um but Mrs. Job, no. There was another Mrs. Job that came along. And uh, the reason being is because the first Mrs. Job did not endure her suffering. She her counsel to her husband, curse God and die. That's exactly what Satan wanted to happen. And she submitted to that. Job didn't. And so it's just a, 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 an indication to us that we do need to be in, have endurance when we encounter suffering in this life. And so there are those three aspects that we need to be... Um, not, well, the three aspects we need to... This is how we deal with suffering when we go into it. We must be focused on the eternal primes. We must have an attitude of rejoicing because we've been counted worthy to suffer, and we do need to have endurance when we go through it, because it does. In, uh, there is a period of time, and so we need to recognise that we need to. Um, yeah, I don't want to say a, a military term for it, but I would. And so we need to hang in there, basically, and that's where I'm going to end the teaching on the series of suffering as a Christian.